Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brendan with Evoke Bike. So I updated our article on how to pace a time trial to how to pace a time trial or hill climb. As we've seen more athletes doing these mainly because now we have many more athletes in Europe and they just seem to be a more popular event over there, which is really cool. Um, they're an interesting race because they are short and it's almost more like a prologue to a stage race in the U.S., in terms of duration. So we're going to talk about, you know, five to 15 minute range. First things first, the golden rule, don't start too hard. That's definitely going to still apply to a hill climb, if not even more, because on a hill climb, there might not be a chance to recover. If you overcook it a little bit on a normal TT, it's like, okay, you just got to sacrifice that 30 seconds and hopefully you're on a TT bike and instead of going 32, you're going 28, you're recovering. Is that good? No, but you need to still pour it out at the end. You're not going to be able to do that on a hill. So starting from your research side of things, you know, you clearly want to figure out what's a good time going to be. What do you, If and even better, if you can ride the climb a few times, that's great. You might not have that opportunity. Obviously, riding the climb is going to help you because think about a Strava segment that you do. The first time you do it, you learn more about the climb. Are there switchbacks where you can gain a second? Are there, you know, little steep pitches where you know you need to surge? And then you need to figure out how much can you surge on that so that you're still pouring it on afterwards. Well, I'm trying to think where to go with this one. Wind can obviously be a huge factor. So I was talking to Tom about this and he uses my wind sock because he's a big hill climb guy. And so that was a good pick. You can draw some data from that. And then looking at the course, you know, is it best to pace it evenly throughout or are there portions where you can recover? Be careful though, because sometimes people see a 10 second downhill and they're like, oh, I could recover there. There's not going to be a ton of magical recovery in 10 seconds. Sure, you might be able to catch your breath a little bit. You're going to clear a little lactate if you continue to pedal. It sounds obvious, but this can really create havoc for the rider during the hill climb if they're going too hard and planning to recover in an area where there's really just not enough time to recover. Another big point is obviously speed is what you need to maximize. So if the, course is, if the course is undulating, where can you surge a little bit to keep the speed up? And where can you recover a little bit while also keeping the speed up? If it's a slight downhill, you probably don't want to be off the gas. That You, know, you want to be in the biggest gear, smashing it super aero. Thinking about this from the physiological standpoint, if you use WKO, you're familiar with FRC. If you use Golden Cheetah, you're familiar with Watt Prime. By definition, if you use up your ability to create power over threshold, you will then be riding below threshold for the remainder of time until you recover. That is not good. That is actually the worst thing that could happen to you while pacing this hill climb. How does this happen? You start and you look down and you're doing 50, 100 watts more than your target and you're feeling amazing. There should be a huge red alarm that goes off in your head telling you you are going too hard. You feel great, but don't forget, let's say this is an eight minute effort. You have eight minutes to go. 
dying at minute four is horrible. And we're not talking that you're going to explode, but we're going to talk about, we're going to say, say your FTP is 300 watts. If you're riding at 280, you're not going to win. You want to remember that you magically didn't have 100 more watts on this, you know, phenomenal day. So just be smart about that. The pacing is so critical. Use the initial burst, you know, get out, start, get out of the starting block where, you know, if you have a ramp, cool. If you're, someone's just, you might just be at the start line, get up to speed, but be patient. You don't want to be dying in the first third of this race. And it's actually much better to be pouring it on at the end. If you finish strong, you're going to have your fastest time because so many athletes will be dying, holding on for dear breath around 100%, and you're going to be making up time on them. So when you're thinking about FRC or Watt Prime is really important for these types of events, if you just don't have a bunch, you need to hopefully train that and get more before this type of event. That should be something that you're working on. But you want to also know how you can use this on the course to your advantage. So if it's a relatively mild to medium grade and then it kicks up at the end, you know, I would get out of the starting block. That sounds like it could be more evenly paced at this, you know, 102 to 105% FTP. I'm assuming that you know what you could ride at for eight minutes. You should know that power. Ride that and save all your anaerobic capacity to crush that last steep portion, say the last minute, right? Like if you're going too hard and then you hit that steep portion, you're not going to be able to ride it really hard and make up time on people. Now, what if the sir, what if the, you know, say there's a funny chorus where it's like you start and there's a 40 second uphill and then it flattens out and then it goes up again you're not going to be at your fastest if you totally crank out this 45 second max effort and then are dying at the top because then you need to get up to speed again you know you need to remain a top speed on the flat portion and then go again you've totally gassed yourself you want to be you know if it's 40 seconds up that i'd be doing that at vo2 max and then recovering right down around threshold and then smashing full gas to finish. You might say that sounds really hard. Yeah, it is really hard. Going, winning races like this is going to be extremely difficult, but you want to be training things like this. This is, I think, over-unders are great for this because you're going to learn how to clear lactate so well. You're, and when I say over-unders, I should make a post that's just called what I think over-unders are. I personally think that over-unders that are 105% over and 95% under are not as good of an over. Actually, I should just say it. They're garbage. You want to be going 120%, 115% over and then clearing it. Go easier. Go like 80%. That's where you're actually teaching your body how to clear lactate. Now, you know I'm not a huge person of quoting papers because I think if you really dig in, for every point made by a paper, there's almost a counterpoint in a lot of it, or it's not a, it's like, you know, the subjects aren't 
trained athletes or we're trying to take untrained information to trained athletes or there are people out there that post like, hey, I'm going to talk about this from the science. If you pause their videos and look up some of the science, the studies are like just not, not good. Um, if you want to, this is a tangent, but if you want to believe and really get great data from studies, don't just trust someone when they flash you a headline of the title of the paper. There are papers out there. The reason the paper existed is a student had to put a paper out to graduate. And a lot of times cycling can be picked because guess what? There's a watt bike that they can use in the lab. So understand why that paper exists and if you should be really using that information. But I'm totally digressing off the point of this. So those over-unders will help you manage surges like this. I've noticed I've done way more over-unders this year than I had ever done before. And my climbing in general has gotten so much better because I can surge around switchbacks. I can go over FTP so much more. My ability to clear it is better. And all of those were done at high overs and then lower unders that initially felt like they were going to be too easy on paper. But I think the key to them is doing them for... 12, 15 minutes, let's say, and and doing two or three of them wherever you're at. Meet that workout where you're at and increase the time. I think when we're just going 105, 95, 105, 95, that's a threshold ride. And do you know what that is? That's a bad threshold ride. If you're riding, if I'm doing a 12-minute effort, if I'm doing a 10-minute effort, my FTP right now is probably 410, 415, and I just did a... 10 and a half minute um, KOM yesterday at like 450. I'm not doing those at 415. You need to teach yourself to go harder. People are totally missing that. And I really just think I'm going to start getting more vocal about it. People also don't give themselves enough credit. I have athletes that are like, well, I just don't think I can do that. Go try it. Well, what if I explode? What if like I, I've ruined the workout? I'm pausing because my brain just exploded. Failing and finding your limit is what this is all about. And failing and finding that limit and then figuring out how do I get better at that is what this is all about. And understanding that you might need to do some patient pedaling to get there. I can't stress enough how many years it took me to get good at riding above FTP. Back in the day, in 2010, a lot of people were saying... You get your VO2 max work from races. You get your VO2 max workouts from, uh, yeah, workouts from like a training race. You don't need to go and totally do it. It's really hard. It's taxing. We now know that's not right. That that your maximal aerobic potential is not just genetic. You can train it. It took me three years to say I was really cranking out these workouts. I know plenty of people. I had an athlete actually leave because they were not good at these. We were working on them and they said, you are setting me up to fail. I'm not passing these workouts. And I had simply said, well, do you think you're going to succeed at every workout? Like, no, but I'm not winning at these. I'm like, yeah, because you're bad at them. I, you know, I, I think all my athletes know I'm very upfront and straightforward with them about performance because I'm totally here to cheerlead for you. I want nothing but the best for my athletes, but I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, you're doing a great job. Wait, you knocked that one out of the park. 
when they did not. Because then they're going to go to a race and like, dude, I just got, you know, the surge is happening. I blast out the back. And then what I'm going to say, oh, well, it's because you're really bad at those. And that's why we've been doing it. Like the communication is, is key. And I have worked on being not blunt. I'm, I'm a very direct person. I realize that can come across the wrong way. But you need to really assess honestly. It's a huge, huge thing. So we kind of tangented off onto uh, <laughs> how you should train. But, um, you know, I've got a couple comments of people had said, I think it'd be interesting if you talk about like some more how you coach things, how you train things. And I often have said, I don't want to give just my own experience because then it sounds like I'm just talking about me. But if there's value in it and there's a way that I know a lot of people are self-coached that you can try to step away from your training to have that 30,000 foot overview. That's the hardest thing as a self-coached athlete that I always had a problem with. And I think that's the biggest thing that I see from the athletes that we've talked to. I mean, now that we have all these coaches on board, we've been able to do way more power file analyses. I'd say probably close to 500 now. And one of the biggest things is talking to an athlete about what they've done and having them be like, damn, I never really realized I was doing X, Y, and Z so damn much. And we get it. I mean, it's, it's just tough to coach yourself. Um, not a plug, but have a, you know, if you can't afford a coach, do it with a friend. Like both of you should learn at the same time. Um, figure things out together and ask questions together, dig deeper, you know, and geez, if you're not in the discord yet, you must not like training because there are so many good conversations I'm, I'm really, I love how open and uh, vulnerable people will be with like, hey, I'm trying this. What do you guys think? And sometimes the group doesn't agree with a person and they're like, damn, like, this is, like six people just told me I should try it. Maybe I should try something different. And it's just good. It helps to pull your curtain back, see what you're doing, be a little bit more introspective with some help of people who love cycling. So get in the discord. Yeah, this is uh, getting a little verbose here, but I hope you have a great week of training. Super pumped to be going into base season. I am about to take five days off the bike starting today, heading on a little family trip. So get some lifts in and hopefully do some hiking. But yeah, shelve the bike a bit and just keep that fire burning. I definitely already miss it. Have a great week.